Stephen McGarvey podcast. Here, one of the things that we talk to people about is that what enables us to differentiate ourselves is the ability to give others the experience of being understood. Your brain is an association machine. It connects things together. Mind is a terrible thing to waste. So welcome back to another Stephen McGarvey podcast. Today we have Chef Michael. First off, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know how crazy busy you are. Um, Tell us about what's your last name, where do you work, how did you become a chef? Give us a bit of your background. Very good, very good. Well, thank you very much for considering me. I think that uh, um, I'm honored, you know, uh, uh, I'm also humbled. You know, by by just the opportunity. Um, okay, so uh, first name Michael, as you mentioned. My last name is Sandoval. Um, I um, uh, come from humble beginnings. My my parents are immigrants to the United States. Um, uh, originally from uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. Believe it or not, um, mm-hmm. in 1984, and uh, uh, pretty much grew up in what would be the city of sin, <laughs> right? Um, ultimately, you think about growing up in a city like that, and it doesn't really seem like it's a uh, the best environment, right? Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Las Vegas, I think, was a big part of, uh, I think, who I am today. Oh, interesting. Um, believe it or not, you know, people think of all, all the bad things that come out of that city. You know, I always started to think about uh, me growing up and, you know, what I can consider myself to be a decent person, you know. Um, it's not necessarily people that either live there or kind of grew up there. It's really the people that come there that make the city a little bit worse <laughs> than it actually is. Um, so, um, I... I I grew up there. I, I graduated from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, with a um, a, um, a culinary degree, uh, with a little bit of uh, hotel background as well. Um, and yeah, so I think ultimately, from the perspective of me uh, starting um, my career path, I think it was accidental. Um, you know, through high school, you start to uh, really get an idea or, or or a little pressure, I guess, of what you should be or shouldn't be doing, where you want to head your your, your future uh, or what path you want to head your future in um, and uh, I had no idea um, I knew that I wanted to leave high school early so I tried to do the best I can to you know attend some summer schools here and there and try to graduate so I could figure something out um, uh, ultimately I made the choice to stay behind with friends and um, that uh, that turned into an idea of, of doing a vocational high school uh, alongside what would be our, our normal classes. So, Michael, just for the audience's sake, let's let's start with where are you right now so they know what this journey's led up to, and then we'll fill them in some more of those details. Sure, sure. sure. So you're, you're, like, what restaurant do you work for? What are you in charge of? What do you do? And then we'll kind of build them up to how you got there. Sure, sure, sure. So, so currently uh, I'm the culinary ambassador for the Thomas Keller Restaurant Group. Um, so Thomas Keller Restaurant Group. For those that may not know, which uh, they may be living under a rock or something, if they sure. don't know who that is or or what that is, but what, what is that Thomas Keller Restaurant? So uh, Chef Keller is uh, really the first American chef to attain a three Michelin star restaurant in the United States. Um, also, the first American chef to have uh, seven Michelin stars. Uh, that's two three Michelin star restaurants and one single. Um, so, you know, for me as a young cook, uh, uh, you know, right now even saying that kind of gave me a little bit of chills. You know, uh, knowing that uh, he's been such a such a big mentor for me, and and knowing that uh, he's also created lots of opportunities for me to, to become the uh, the chef or and or the professional that I am today. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I hope that explains a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's perfect. So now it's back to where we were. So we were back, and you decided to to go in the direction of school, and yep, yep. you went to culinary school. Yeah. So even before going into college, so um, I'm in high school, and there was an opportunity to attain what would have been called the Area Technical Trade Center. And casually, just to stay behind with uh, with friends and so forth, I said, "Hey, 
you know, I'll just take a cooking class. This is going to be easy. We're going to cook eggs and, you know, <laughs> my gosh, we're going to have so much fun. Uh, so it was the exact opposite of what I pictured in, in my mind. Um, it was difficult, um, stressful. Uh, I had no idea why I had to understand how many grams are an ounce and how many ounces are in this and, you know, what is a milliliter, you know, etc. Um, and that's what became interesting. So eggs, eggs turn into... Um, now what I think of an egg, I think of like the most refined version of like cookery, you know, and then it was like, okay, let's scramble something, you know. Um, so that led into um, doing the first year and the second year. That second year, I ended up deciding to, um, to try to get a job. And I started working for the small like European Pacific Asian restaurant, uh, which then uh, was very popular um, style of cuisine. And it was the first time I kind of learned about food and organization and execution and um, it was exciting to feel like you're excelling at something and exciting to feel something that uh, that I hadn't felt before you know it was like an escape from the real world for just a short period of time and that period of time sometimes was eight hours sometimes was ten hours so I was doing that while I was uh, uh, finishing high school and uh, upon or you know leading up to graduation um, ultimately, I wanted to attain or uh, wanted to go to some of the best schools in, in the country, um, either Culinary Institute of America, Johnson & Wales. Uh, so I ended up applying for both and ended up saying, okay, I want to do Johnson & Wales. And um, it was my parents that were saying, you don't want to do this. You don't want to leave home and spend so much money and be in debt at the point of you leaving college. Um, at that point, as a young kid, you're like, you're ruining my life, you know, what are you doing to my future? And uh, little did I know that it was a, a, a true blessing in disguise. You know, I had the chance to not only start working for Chef Keller in 2004 um, in Las Vegas, uh, but at the same time, not only working full-time, but also going to school full-time, being able to actually um, pay my own way through school. Now, how did you start working for Keller? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that it sounds like you just kind of opened the door, walked in, and started working. Right, like right. There's got to be some kind of. So that's a funny one uh, to, to begin with. So uh, I'm already going to school, and I'm in a garmage class, and uh, there was an, an an older lady within within the, the program, and she was like, oh, "Did you know that Chef Keller's opening a restaurant here?" And I was like, "I had no idea." Um, all I knew then was really the French Laundry Cookbook, and you know how how impactful that that was to to, to our profession. So. I started to do a little research and, you know, kind of ended up getting a resume or a CV together at the last minute. Uh, so it was a weekend going into all the um, actual um, um, interviews. Um, it was the last day, which was a Sunday. I went in uh, early morning. Uh, I was in a suit and uh, I was 18 years old uh, and ultimately uh, asked to, to, to see if I could have an interview because they were just doing randoms. and. Uh, uh, the, the lady said, I'm sorry, everybody's gone back to Napa Valley. Um, so I was like, it's a, it's a little bit of a shame. Uh, I, I tested my luck. I said, I'm just going to sit here. Uh, what ended up being then two hours, um, there was a chef that walked out of the, 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 the room. And I was like, oh, and he said, well, can I help you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm here to see if I can possibly interview for a position. He said, well, none of the dining room team is available. I'm like, well, I'm not applying for the dining room team. You know, um, I like to apply for a kitchen job, and he grabbed my resume and he read uh, Area Technical Trade Center, and he said, "Well, my wife's a student teacher there," and it ended up kind of working out where I knew his wife, and it uh, it led into an interview, um, which uh, led into 
um, a job. Um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, a little uh, little bit of a weird way to, to get that interview, but just randomly kind of occurred. And so fast forward, how do you get to be where you are? So you start in the kitchen. I'm guessing you didn't start as top chef in the kitchen. Right, right. So how did you get to from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, honestly, it was just hard work, dedication. You know, um, there was... Um, you know, there's 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 always those moments where you you know that you want to be somebody, and there's no other way besides besides doing it. Um, you know, you always hear the do the job you want before you have it, or uh, treat it like your own. It someday it will be. Uh, so those were always those uh, those those things that kind of gone or went through my mind, and I wanted to I wanted to make an impact. You know, I wanted to make a difference. Um, I wanted to be looked up to one day. I wanted to be uh, the person that somebody needed, you know. And ultimately, uh, there's there's one thing that I I developed mentally that I still continue to tell you know young cooks these days is um, you have to be selfish. No, no, that sounds negative, right? Um, so I wanted to be selfish. I wanted everything. I needed everything. I was going to get there early so I can cut the chives. Um, so I can be perfect. Uh, I was going to get there early so I can start doing the foie gras torchon and the salmon, the lamb butchery. And by being selfish and taking that from everybody, I was being unselfish and providing everybody the opportunity to do more or um, the, the chance to have time for something else. And uh, it sounds a little bit weird to be selfish in this situation. You're being unselfish. And, and you know, I, I tell every cook, you have to want it all. You know, you have to take it all and be that person that, that, that just does it. There's an old saying that the harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. And it, it sure. sounds like that's similar to what you're talking about. Yeah, sure thing. By being selfish and showing up early and putting that extra time, that extra effort in, you actually end up uh, being non-selfish in the, long, in the right. long run. Right. So there became a joke one day uh, or at, at some point where, you know, I was coming into early every single day. And, you know, at some point it was like almost expected, you know, well, you know, Michael's going to be here at one. He doesn't start till three. And, um, you know, there was a joke when I'd call and I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm going to be half an hour late. I'm like, they're like, uh, you're going to be an hour and a half early, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so it, it was, it was kind of like that running joke for everybody. And, uh, um, you know, at one point it was, it was a, it was a, a really like a wonderful moment for me where, um, every year there'd be staff events and, you know, annual meetings, Chef Keller would be there. And, uh, you know, the story I just told you about me in a suit, um, it, it's like um, it resides in me that moment in time um, because this year they're giving, you know, awards. And uh, this year that chef that I talked about um, stood up there with the chef de cuisine and Chef Keller and they described that entire moment, um, you know, meeting me, seeing me in the suit and describing that, that, that moment entirely, making jokes about arriving early, etc. And... Uh, um, and eventually getting this award. And what was the award everybody. that you got? Um, so, uh, Chef calls it the Be the Bacon Award. Be the Bacon. Be the Bacon Award. Now, I'll tell you why. Um, so, uh, he once told a story about uh, um, the American breakfast, you know, bacon and eggs, you know, and ultimately that dish and what um, what's presented on the dish is pork and chicken, you know, and certainly um, the chicken is involved with the breakfast they lay the egg they go on with their lives but the pork is committed it's literally died for your um, 
your benefit. Yeah. So it's about being committed. You know, it's uh, being being committed to your craft. Uh, you know, to to whatever it is. So be the bacon. So that that sounds like a pretty high award from uh, Mr. Keller, Chef Keller. Sure. Is that sort of one of the top awards that you could get from somebody like him? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, there's 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 lots of things that come uh, far in between there. But uh, at that point in my life, being 20 years old, um, to get this from Chef and having him sign it, um, you know, it's it, it was just a uh, it was an incredible moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're 20, <coughs> and do you mind me asking, you did mention the year of your birth earlier, and my numbers aren't great in my head, so how old are you right now? Uh, 35. 35, yeah. so 35, you're at the peak of your career. Um, what do you enjoy most about what you do? You know, I think it's people. Um, you know, um, something I learned, you know, early on is, you know, the, the man that I wanted to be and the man that I did. Um, I knew how I grew up, meaning in the environment of the kitchen, you know, and... Um, and knowing that that it is really us that make our profession successful, uh, the difference between, I guess, the the, the past and the future. You know, uh, you always hear about the yelling chef, the the cussing chef, the the idea of what a kitchen should be, right? Um, so that that's that's nothing I believe in. You know, I, I truly believe um, inspiring somebody, uh, family friendships uh, heartwarming experiences uh, last a lot longer than fear um, you know there was a chef that I worked for um, I remember him continuously saying that uh, fear is the best form of motivation you know it was this kind of like sports club which which I also really believe in um, but you look at moments in time where where you remember and you don't ever remember that guy that's just drilling you for for no apparent reason you remember that guy that that showed you something gave you something gave you a piece of themselves and um allowed you the, an opportunity you know so it, it's really people and i, I talk about uh, hospitality or you know we we, we or the world talks about guests you know and you know as much as i care about our guests uh, i keep i care more about our team and if we're hospitable to each other, then ultimately that's going to then just trickle down into what naturally should be, you know, service or food standards for our guests. You know, yeah. So it, it's fascinating because that fits in with the, the whole idea of the Seaborn family. It, it starts with with your family in the kitchen, with the sure people thing. that you interact with, and then it flows outward from there. And sure thing. how you treat them is going to be. Uh, very much in line with how the the customers get treated, the guests absolutely, get treated. Absolutely, So that, that's fascinating. What are some of your favorite things to cook? Ooh, it's a tough one. Um, ooh, I get asked this question often, and it's tough to pinpoint anything specific. Um, I'm gonna kind of segue the question to something. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the reason why is uh, uh, so. Um, I asked uh, a mentor of mine that same question, you know, years ago. And uh, the, the question was, uh, you know, what, what is your specialty cuisine, you know? And he said something that actually made me think about that question for many years. And uh, um, I came to the conclusion that um, maybe cuisine isn't really what I should specialize in. Uh, it, should, it should really be a technique, uh, so a craft, you know? And uh, that's, that's what I focused on. I focus on specializing in technique and in craft and in 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 reading, 
Um, and ultimately, you focus on that, and you're essentially a master of cuisine, you know. And uh, um, the flavor profiles just come far in between. So, uh, last four years, uh, I've had a huge focus on, um, you know, a lot of our Indian cultured staff, and how I was able to kind of get through to them um, regarding their history and my my history and how we were able to kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, maybe mm, bond is uh, is knowing that those beautiful spices that were just ground by their grandmothers while they're all singing together and the technique that they used to toast um, had nothing to do with the flavor or the cuisine it had to do with with people and culture you know and and I think uh, culture and cuisine, how, how close close they are together, historically, and uh, again, all, all relates to people. Um, so just back to the question, sorry. Uh, I think technique. Technique. Is, has, been, has been a focus. Well, and I'm glad you brought this whole idea of you know, spices and, and culture. And one of the things that I find fascinating is, as we travel around the world, how uh, the different cultures, the different values, the different beliefs, the way uh, you, you mentioned singing together, that, that song is, is part of cooking in, yeah. in a lot of yeah. cultures. And it's almost uh, ceremonial as opposed to just sustenance right. or, or food. It, it becomes part of what holds the culture together, part of what continues that, Absolutely. Uh, that dynamic of how they relate to each other. Absolutely. I, I mean, I totally agree. I think, uh, uh, like I mentioned, I mean, the, the, the cult culture and, and history you know, plays plays a huge role in that. I mean, you see through religion, through wars, through uh, poverty, um, um, you have such wonderful things that just that just come out of the uh, out, out of the world. Um, and and Michael, a, a quick question for you: When we're dealing with uh, folks that, that specialize in sales or marketing or uh, things of that nature, business in general, um, the, the senses are involved. We we usually talk about you know visual, auditory, kinesthetic. We also know there's olfactory and gustatory, taste and smell, and or uh, one of the things that, that I find fascinating is from a chef's perspective, I, I think most chefs have a greater awareness of senses sure. than your average person. Um, so how does taste and smell and, and how does how do your senses come into your strategy for your craft? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the, the, the senses are the most important thing you have um, and uh, awareness. Uh, you, you said the word, I think uh, uh, touching on that, it's 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 not only awareness of your of your cooking senses but of your environment um, and and where 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 you are where you stand uh, who you're with um, so ultimately starting with with senses um, uh, you know people always talk about maybe the smell and the taste being the, the two most important um, but you touched on something earlier with with sounds and and hearing so it's something I always say when 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 things are cooking, um, it's talking to you, right? It's talking to you. So um, when, when when the muscles are talking, you know this this is where you have to check, yeah. or or listen to the sound of the beef. Um, it's talking to you, you know. And and some of those uh, noises that uh, that I remember from my young young moments of cooking, um, like give me chills still now, you know. When you have that piece of beef that goes into a pan that's just at the right temperature and then you see it you see the crust formation you know um, 
uh, I was talking to a gentleman the other day when we were running a snapper and uh, he put the fish in a pan and then he put a spatula on the fish to press it down. I said, this is gonna maybe uh, hurt you a little more, but let's use your fingers and I want you to feel this, lightly touch it. And then he started to feel bubbles on his fingertips. I was like, that's what you're looking for. When the bubbles stop, your fish is going to be ready to flip. Um, so that feeling um, was a memory for me. And that feeling you give to somebody else, uh, instead of using what would be an unrefined tool, you know, to, um, lack for better words, murder the fish. <laughs> um, uh, you know, using that light touch um, to, to be able to, to define that moment, that moment in time um, where, where that fish is going to be at its best. Um, yeah, well, it's funny because we uh, we'd hired a, pre a chef a little while ago for a, a day in France, and uh, we went to the market shopping and we got the ingredients and it was just a wonderful experience to uh, like get that commentary from him as we went through the market on what he's looking for and sure. the various vendors and how he chooses things yeah. and then the prep of those things uh, we got a you know we came back to the villa and we we cooked Amazing. and then we're at the table doing one thing and he says now what's important is you need to listen to the food and he mm. said right now the water is talking to me and he was hearing something we were unaware of he yep. was hearing the water in the background boiling because he was getting it ready for something else so while he was waiting for the water to come to temperature he's over at the table but he's still paying attention sure he's listening for the water sure thing um so very very interesting that you say yeah that. um i i have another memory of just feel and and, and sensations within like the body or or, or um, when I first uh, learned to butcher salmon, and we're talking about senses here, and just the feelings that you get um, within certain uh, uh, certain movements, um, uh, even before we go that, because it just reminded me of something. Um, so, <laughs> when I'm talking about a knife, um, and then we'll go into the story, it just came came to mind here. Um, and this will start from a young kid, and maybe this is also leading to, to, to where I am now. But, uh, you know, there was one thing that, I don't know if a lot of children, maybe you, but I know when I was a kid, I just I wanted to be one thing when I, grew, when I, when I was growing up. And, and it was a ninja or a samurai, you know. And, <laughs> and, I get how the knives are tying into right, this now. Right, so, so um, you, know, um, you know, I was always, like, playing with swords, watching, you know, samurai movies. And, you know, ultimately now, you know, you think about it, um, they're craftsmen. You know, the samurais and, and, and their history may pl plays a huge role into this. Um, but ultimately, w out of respect uh, for, uh, for my, my sword, my tools, um, you know, I, I made a commitment to, to knowing that I never wanted to um, get the handle of my knife dirty, you know, and the, the, the blade of my knife would always be um, clean uh, after a kill or after what would be emotions uh, you know um, so this is part of the reason why this feeling resides because the, my right hand never has a glove um, because I don't like to have my hands dirty and that's the hand I use my knife with uh, so it won't have a glove because I know that my hand won't be dirty and I'll be always touching my knife um, so my left hand will always have and you know we'll kind of figure that part out in between while I'm butchering so back to the back to the salmon here <laughs> so um you know I'm, I'm i'm making certain moves with with uh what would be my sword or my, my my knife and um as as i'm slicing down the belly um you know my, my my pinky just slides down that ice cold flesh and going back to senses is just, just memorable moments 
that you know I'll never forget. Um, it, it you know each time I, I butcher a salmon, and I feel that it's a, this reminds me of moment, you know of of that moment in time, uh, that that could never be gained again, you know, um, you know. So then that goes into the appreciation of time, you know, and that goes into uh, um, then you know our profession as as uh, you know service oriented um, people. It's interesting you mentioned that in psychology we refer to that as like a kinesthetic anchor. It's like a certain thing that triggers a memory, and and it sounds like every time you butcher a salmon, it it, it triggers that memory of those earlier experiences, which is uh, fascinating. Right. No, absolutely. And and you know then then that kind of goes into then um, something that that uh, I learned from Chef Keller, you know, and food. You know, it's uh, it's really all about uh, creating those moments in time. And he said something once. He said, um, I hope that one day someone will come into my restaurant and they'll be able to say, this reminds me of, you know, that time. And he, he said, that's when I'll feel successful. Um, so, you know, underlying, you, you go through life and you go through your career path. And, you know, I have those moments. I've had those moments. Uh, but you never define them until... Uh, your, your eyes are open to somebody else's experiences that may have also ex- had those moments. Uh, it, it's they interesting them. when you talk about uh, Chef Keller. I, I watch a lot of cooking shows, and I, I, th- I always say when I retire, I'm going to take up cooking as a hobby, not not for a restaurant, sure. but just for my own personal interests. I just find it relaxing, creative. Right. Uh, I mean, the dish you served yesterday, the dishes you served yesterday at that brunch were pieces of art as much as they were enjoyable to eat. They were enjoyable to look at, the detail, the, sure. the way you crafted them, layered them, etc. It was uh, just a, a wonderful experience. So thank you for that. By it's the my way. pleasure, absolutely. Uh, you made me think of that memory of watching uh, Thomas Keller on a video on YouTube. And he was showing how to take out or de de wishbone or take the wishbone out of the chicken, mm-hmm. and it was his recipe for that sort of Sunday afternoon kitchen or Sunday afternoon family chicken kind of thing. And uh, ever since watching that, I debone that breastbone out of the chicken exactly the way he showed. <laughs> I've watched that video probably 15 times yeah. to learn how to scrape the you know the, the, the flesh bone off, off yeah, and yeah, get yeah. the bone Absolutely. out and then snap it up and take it out, and it makes it that much easier to carve once you get it off that rotisserie. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so little things like that stick in your head. Absolutely, and um, you, 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 uh, you hit it on the head here where um, you said you learned something, um, but going back to giving and people, and I think possibly now one of the biggest reasons why I continue to be inspired to do this every day is, uh, is, is that giving moment where, again, I was taught how to butcher salmon by a gentleman named Mark Hopper. Um, um, Thomas Keller taught Mark Hopper, and I was shown the exact same way. And I then showed and continue to show that same way. And, you know, much like a football player, whether it's European or American or a baseball player or a hockey, uh, repetition ends up being what ends up, uh, I think, creating greatness. You know, that, that, uh, that pass that gets thrown, you know, 7,000 times and waiting for that great moment where it's the world championship. Or Someone once said repetition is the mother of skill. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's yeah, that. Absolutely. Doing it over and over and over again, refining it each time you do it, um, learning from a mentor. It sounds like you've had a number of good ones in, right. in your life to date. And I, I'm sure you are, at, at current time, a mentor to a number of other people as well and passing that learning and that knowledge along, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, repetition certainly equals, equal in skill. Um, and, you know, these days, I think uh, young cooks 
don't really appreciate that as much as they should. Um, so that's that's also something to grow with and, and educate on, you know. Um, especially with modern cuisine, um, you know, I don't know if it was 15, 20 years ago, maybe even 10, but uh, when sous vide cooking came to like fruition and became very popular, um, it was a scary moment um, where where you had a lot of individuals uh, that started to forget about what like true cooking really meant about these sounds that we're talking about you know um, so you know was that sound of the vacuum machine sucking all the air out was that the defining moment of our craft you know or was it that steak in that pan that I, that I just spoke about you know so it was really a, a scary moment I think uh, braising you know instead of just putting it in a water bath and setting a timer for 48 hours you know um, so where where were we going to be you know in 10 years we're, we're still where will we be in 10 years it's exciting you know, to <laughs> exciting and again michael thank you so much my pleasure and we will continue this conversation